Baseball 360 friends, welcome back to another episode where we take baseball 90 feet at a time. With me is our favorite guest. Yeah, what's up, Mike? Uh, Really snazzing out today with the blazer here, kind of throwing a little twist on us. I'm wearing my Yankee shirt. This is the only baseball shirt I have left in my uh, repertoire. I got to get on that. Stepping it up with your, uh, your outfit game there. Yeah, you know, I want to look like an MLB executive, so I have to start dressing like one. As this network grows, we got to start taking things more seriously around here. (laughs) That's right. And unfortunately for us, uh, we had our guest cancel last minute, but hopefully we'll get him on sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, We'll keep you guys posted there. But, you know, besides that, we got a lot of things cooking up in the lab. We got different ideas coming up in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll roll those out to you on our channel as we roll along here. That's awesome to hear, Fazio. What do you say we take it to first base, shall we? First 90 feet's always the toughest. Let's do it. As we head to first here, I want to revisit the Oakland Athletics. Let's start with the positive. They won two in a row for the first time this season. Granted, it was against a team equally as bad as them. But listen, it's a step in the right direction. We all predicted Brent Rooker to lead the league in OPS by the beginning of May, right? No, of course not. But hey, listen, for you Oakland fans, you got to take as many positives as you can get right now because there sure as shit aren't a lot. Fazio, take me down this dark road the Oakland A's are going down right now. Yeah, and the reason why we're bringing up the A's right now is because, you know, we had talked about them in our last Baseball 360 show, and perhaps we weren't as critical or maybe as uh, negative towards ownership as we were when we, like, kind of fired off that episode. And so I wanted to kind of just bring that back. And, you know, after doing a lot of research the last few weeks, I think we have to be super critical of their owner, John Fisher. Now, he's actually bored. Uh, on Gap, which is interesting. He kind of is really to blame for what's happening with this team. He's not investing in the clubhouse. He's not investing in cleaning up opossums in the uh, booths out there for television broadcasts. And he's certainly not putting a great quality product on the field where just only a few years ago, this team was in the postseason. It's not like this team, you know, was bottom of the barrel the last decade or so. It just seems like he's purposely tanking this team so that he can just get the hell out of Oakland and go right to Las Vegas. So I've been seeing a lot of fans just wanting to just stay out of the stadium, not purchase a ticket to support what this owner's doing to the team. And, you know, unfortunately, on the other side of this, you know, this is kind of how business runs. You know, like this guy didn't just so happen to land this team on his lap and say, oh, I'm going to just take over. He has a lot of business sense. And for him... It just seems like a selfish move that he just wants to go out to Vegas. He wants taxpayers to pay, you know, a portion of the money to provide a team out there and not himself, you know, really invest like a San Diego Padres or New York Mets like in Steve Cohen. This is certainly not the case. And for this team to lose this franchise in Oakland and these fans losing this team out there. Uh, It's a real shame. By no way, shape, and form are we shilling out for Major League Baseball. We're not taking MLB's side. We are certainly not on John Fisher's side. I want to be clear about that. Um, Going back to John Fisher, yeah, this is just, more often than not, a lot of MLB owners kind of don't really care about the team. With Steve Cohen and the guys in San Diego, they're fans of that team, and they want to win. But for these other owners, this is kind of sort of their second, third, fourth stream of income, dare I say it. So for them, they're looking at this 
just as a business. They don't care how much, how many years you guys been going to that ballpark. They don't care how much history the franchise has. It's a to them, it's a dying asset, and they're looking to sell this off. It's a matter of uh, numbers when it comes to John Fisher and. That's really hard for, you know, fans to fathom. I get it. I mean, it's certainly not an excuse I'm making for the owner, but I think that's what it comes down to. I think John Fisher is just looking to kind of sell off this product, which would probably be the best thing for the team. To look back at the history of this organization, you know, you could really hang your hat on a lot of stuff, you know, but right now you're just going to have to sit through it and hope for the best if you're an A's fan. Heading from first to second, we were able to get a World Series preview just kidding. It was our World Series preview. We got the Pirates and we got the Rays. Very rarely do you get up for a series in the beginning of the month of May, but this was the first real test for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I got to be honest, they failed in every sense of the word. Three games set with the Tampa Bay Rays. We all know who are world beaters right now. Pirates managed to score four runs in these three games against the uh, Rays. They also committed three errors in game two. It was a sign that maybe, you know, they were on a good run there and water finally found its level with this team. Yeah, unfortunately, Drew Maggi, their uh, budding star in the minors, I know he's been there forever, but, you know, they put him down to uh, double A, put him on waivers. And since that move, they're 0-6. Uh, so they might want to p- pick them back up real quick so they, they can start winning. But now, nah, in all seriousness, the Rays are one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league. I know they lost two out of three against the Astros. It was probably their biggest bigaboo so far. Bugaboo, I should say, so far this season. Outside of that, I mean, this team has just been dominating their opponents. Randy Rosarina is having one of his best seasons to date. He's currently batting 325. He's got nine homers and 30 RBIs. And it's not just him that's contributing. You got Brandon Lowe. He's got seven home runs, 20 RBIs. Hal Ramirez has got six homers and 15 RBIs. He's the nine hitter. Top to bottom with this lineup, they're just mashing. And with their starting pitching, they're getting great efforts from Shane McClanahan, their ace, all the way to Zach Eflin. Unfortunately for Pirates, they're in a bit of a scuffle. They're still in first place, so hopefully they can, you know, right the ship pun intended, uh, to get back to their winning ways. But as, as it stands now, they're a game and a half up of the Brewers. So they just kind of came up to a team that's the hottest in baseball right now. Yeah, right now the Pirates are in the midst of a six-game losing streak. Listen, it doesn't help when you have to play the Rays and then the Blue Jays back-to-back. I I think any team would struggle with that seven-game stretch. It kind of lets you know where the Pirates stack against the rest of these teams. Now, that NL Central is wide open, so it would be very difficult to count the Pirates out in any way, shape, or form as of now. Definitely, and you know, if we go right along to... Uh, the AL East, uh, these four teams that are in, I mean, we can, let's just say all five teams, all five teams are playing over 500 ball right now. The Red Sox are red hot. Their record is a 21 and 14 through Saturday's games. They've won eight straight in 12 of their last 16 games. Only one out of 25 teams outside of the AL East has a winning percentage of 600 or better. And that would be the Atlanta Braves, who sit at 23-11. and 11. Uh, These two teams actually face off against each other this coming Tuesday and Wednesday in Atlanta. So that series should see a lot of fireworks, a lot of firepower. And speaking of firepower, how can we not talk about Masataka Yoshida? He's on fire right now, Mike. 
Yeah, since uh, April 420, he's been smoking hots. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> nice. No, he's been hitting 433, five homers, 18 RBIs in that stretch. Red Sox are 12 and four as he goes. The magic is there. You got the walk-off hits with Alex Verdugo, who has three. Chris Sale coming back to form. He's hitting uh, about 97 on the radar gun. Listen, if they have any any idea of competing this year, it's, it's going to come down to Chris Sale leading that rotation for sure. Absolutely. And their offense in general has just been teeing off on starting pitchers. Starters in Major League Baseball, the teams that they've played against the Red Sox, haven't gotten past four innings against them in 11 out of 35 games this season, which is actually the most in Major League Baseball. So starters beware because the Red Sox are coming for you. They're getting a wonderful contribution out of uh, Jaron Duran out of center field. He's really broke out for them. Listen, the Red Sox have a tendency of coming out of nowhere. They're known for going worst to first. If there's any team that going into a baseball season, you look at their roster and you don't know what to think of, the Red Sox, Red Sox are that team that you just really can't count out anymore, and they're going to get it done. Yeah, I remember they were swept uh, against the Rays back early in the season, and I know there was like some chatter in the Reddit on Red, you know the Red Sox group saying, like, oh, is it time to panic? I don't think we have a team that can compete. It's going to be another lost season. Yet one month later, look at where they are now. They're in the wild card spot as it stands. And this whole division is just, it's insane. The Yankees are in last place. They're eight games back. This whole division is just going to be a super big dog fight. It's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out at the end of the season, but we might see four teams in the playoffs in this division alone. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're not going to really get much out of the AL Central, and uh, we're still not really sure what to make of the AL West at this moment. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw all five teams in the American League East competing for playoff spots. Absolutely. I think that will happen all the way through September. Uh, but let's talk about the team that the Red Sox are actually currently facing this weekend, Mike. Uh, and that would be the Philadelphia Phillies, who have been really scuffling. Uh, they've lost six straight. They're eight games back of Atlanta. However, they did get Bryce Harper back this week. Yes, they did. Boy, that was wild, right? I You kept hearing that, oh, he's not going to be back till July. And then all of a sudden, I get a notification on my phone. Oh, he's taking batting practice. And voila, he's in their lineup. Listen, they're going to need a spark for him. That's for sure. He had his first home run last night for them. It's going to take him a little bit to get going. I mean, the guy didn't really have a spring training. So what their issue is right now is just their pitching, which we knew they were going to give up runs, but not necessarily Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Uh, they've been getting roughed up a little bit. They're missing Ranger Suarez, which is kind of a big big three starter for them last year. Anything's possible for them. A lot of baseball left to be played. And I think having Bryce Harper is going to give them a bit of a jolt that they need. Absolutely. And even on defense too, because there is chatter and, and I don't want to say rumors, but I think it's going to happen where he's going to be playing some first base right now. He's just kind of DHing, as you mentioned, didn't really have a spring training to kind of warm up. So he's just getting his reps at the plate right now, just trying to get accustomed to being, you know, seeing live pitching and, and being able to hit the ball. But once he gets, you know, going a little bit in his uh, return to the field, we're probably going to see him out in first base. Yeah, because right now I believe they have Alec Bohm playing a little first base in Reese Hoskins' absence. Yeah, no, I, that actually makes a lot of sense for him to play there coming out of 
because you're not really sure where his arm strength is right now in the outfield. So I think first base might be the best spot for him. The National League East outside of Atlanta hasn't really found its footing, at least the Mets and Phillies. The Marlins surprise people, but if you look at their run differential, they don't deserve to be where they're at right now. When it comes to, you know, a team like the Mets, it comes down to it's just been overall inconsistency. They have a starter's ERA of over five. Uh, the offense has been very inconsistent. They've scored, you know, five or more runs, I believe, six times, but they've also been shut out six times, too. So that kind of tells you where things are at right now offensively for the Mets. Look, if their rotation doesn't get it together, it could be a long season for them. Yeah, I mean, Justin Verlander came back. Uh, it was his first time starting for the Mets this season in his old stadium, Detroit, against the Tigers, who are actually now in second place. I don't think we ever mentioned the Tigers on any of our shows. We may have mentioned them in, like, a uh, Reddit group uh, that they, like, put out the uh, stadium's prices for marriage proposals. But outside of that, not much Detroit, Detroit Tigers talk on our show, so we apologize about that. But uh, going back to the Mets, yeah, I mean, Scherzer's looking a little mortal, I should say. And, you know, the Mets offense kind of really has been very cold since that West Coast trip where they kind of dominated out there. Mets got to really make up some ground a little bit here in May uh, to try to keep pace in the division. They got a three-game set with the Reds coming up. You know, hopefully they could, you know, take advantage of them. We'll see. We'll see. Well, speaking of the Reds, they're actually surprisingly not in last place in, in that division. The Cardinals, of all teams, are in last. Uh, Mike, I don't know, man. I think I might be jumping ship on this team. Well, I mean, right now they sit at, as of today, 10 and 24, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they've lost eight straight games. Everything I said about the Cardinals when I was predicting them, they're not doing it. You know, they're a steady Eddie organization. They seem very organized. It seems like things aren't right anywhere with that team. They're going to be shifting Wilson Contreras from catcher to the outfield. They already have a log jam in the outfield, so they're just adding more fuel to the fire unless they have plans on trading, you know, some of those outfielders for some starting pitching, which we know they need. Going to the starters, the record right now as it stands today is 6 and 15 with a 5.39 ERA so far this season. Ugly starts from Miles Mikolas, uh, Jack Flaherty, they got Adam Wainwright back this week, but he gave up four runs in five innings. Their team pitching combined has a 4.79 ERA. Jordan Hicks, even though he throws 100-plus mile-an-hour fastballs, he's 0-3 with a 7.62 ERA. So that just goes to show maybe with that Contreras, you know, he's not framing pitches correctly behind the plate. Uh, he could be partially to blame, but he was very good with the Cubs. And I don't know if I put solely the blame on him, um, there was an interview with Yadier Molina recently where he was saying, I think it's uh, the, the whole team has to look at themselves and just say, this isn't just Contreras' fault. I think you're right. I think they should ship off a couple of those outfielders, get some starters in a trade and, and look to maybe upgrade there and, and call some you know minor leaguers up to try to see if they can get things going because it feels like everything they're trying to do right now is not working. Well, here's another crazy idea. For you Cardinals out there. And if uh, John Mozalak, if you're listening, I mean, I'm sure you're listening with your blazer on, as all of us classy executives do. Why don't you fire Oliver Marmol and bring in Yadier Molina as the manager? Why not? I mean, what do you got to lose? 
Uh, you're making all the other crazy decisions. You're telling me Yadier Molina is not going to be in a major league dugout in the next five years as a manager? I find that hard to believe. Wow, that's a very good call. I I anticipate that probably happening much sooner than five years now that you mention it. And if he is taking interviews with St. Louis local news, I mean, you got to feel like he's got an ear to the organization and an eye, obviously. So good call there, Mike. I, I could see that definitely happening for sure. I think Cardinals fans would love that too. He was always a team leader and, you know, he even called them out. Like you said, they all have to look themselves in the mirror. He should walk right in there and give a team meeting. They'll listen to him, those guys. I know that for a fact. Before we head to third base, let's head out west. Those Los Angeles Dodgers back home in first place again, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Wonderful outing from Dustin May last night. Things are starting to click over there, out there in Chavez Ravine, wouldn't you say, Foz? Absolutely. I mean, Dustin May on Saturday night looked like his usual self, injuries aside, uh, through six scoreless innings against the Padres, they wound up winning 2-1 to one in a tight game. He's looking to bounce back after he had Tommy John. This is kind of what the Dodgers needed. They needed a young guy, a young pitcher to come up and uh, produce with Walker Bueller out. Kershaw even is getting a little bit of a resurgence right now. He's got an ERA under three. Max Muncy is leading the league in homers with 12. Yeah, right now, taking a look at the standings, you know, you got the Dodgers and the Padres on top with the Diamondbacks, I believe, that have fell to third place. I think those three teams are going to be fighting for the division or at least playoff spots. It's going to be a little bit more of a race than we expected, but I think once the summer really hits, I think you're going to see both the Padres and Dodgers really scrap for this NL West. And as we're talking about the West, uh, let's head on to the AL before we go to third base here and uh, talk about the Texas Rangers. They're still in first place, Mike. That's pretty surprising, don't you think? Yeah, the Texas Rangers sitting at 19-13 and 13 right now as of to date, staying ahead of that American League West, taking advantage of the Astros while they're down, getting wonderful pitching out of Nathan Evaldi. His last three starts, he's been impeccable, picking up where Jacob deGrom left off, you know, picking up some of that slack. I think just having Bruce Bochy in the dugout, along with a stronger pitching staff, the offense doesn't have to score as many runs as they need to, but the bats can if they have to. Yeah, and the team that they're facing this weekend in the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are actually doing pretty well themselves as well. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're only one game back in the division, and they're actually above the Houston Astros right now. So as we kind of saw last year in May, they really fell off a cliff. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen to them this time around. But knowing their history, uh, it, it might be imminent. Yeah, and you know, going back to the Astros, they've been getting uh, some bad luck when it comes to injuries with their pitching. They just lost Luis Garcia for the entire season for Tommy John surgery. Jose Urquidy hitting the 15-day IL. Uh, they just had to call up a top pitching prospect in JP France. So the depth is really getting tested out there in Houston. This may not be the Astros team we thought they were going to be. I, I don't know. I'm not seeing it right now. But then again, Getting those kind of injuries to your pitching staff, that'll dismantle your season pretty quick. Absolutely. And I did see Jose Altuve out in Seattle take some batting practice recently. So it looks like he's on schedule to come back soon, maybe make some rehab starts for them, get back to the team You know, later this month. I think that team really goes when he's there. Jose Altuve is a little preoccupied with some off-field stuff. Why don't we talk about that as we head to third base, shall we? On opening day... 
his house was broken into, and I believe $1 million of watches and jewelry were stolen. Yikes. Sounds like karma for stealing your 2017 World Series ring. Am I right? <laughs> Low blow, but you know what? Maybe if there is some sort of truth behind that. Yeah, so it looks like uh, he forgot to set his alarm out there at his Houston residence before he hit the stadium out there opening day against the White Sox, and uh, police have arrested three men and one woman in connection to that robbery. It looks like his security footage caught the perpetrators on camera. And I'm sure the perpetrators out there are going to be going through a lot of court fines, a lot of court hearings. I myself was on a jury duty panel recently. It's not easy. It's not fun. It's actually super stressful. So I do not envy those people. And uh, kind of a dumb thing to do. I mean, these days, there's technology all over the place. Why would you think you could get away with something like that? It didn't make sense to me to keep doing that kind of stuff. But um, like you said, maybe it is karma for Jose Altuve to lose that kind of jewelry. <laughs> it's all in good fun here, Jose. We love you. It's all good. Remember during the World Baseball Classic FODs where I just wouldn't shut up about Roki Sasaki? I'd remember. Well, <laughs> well, let me revisit my friend here right now. He's out there pitching for the Chiba Latte Marines. Currently 3-0 in five starts with a 0.84 ERA, uh, 32 innings and only three runs given up. I'm telling you, man, this guy is is something else. I don't think he's given up a home run yet. So, you know, keep Luis Urias out of the Japanese Baseball League. <laughs> but listen, I... I th it's all right there for us to watch. It's going to be about four or five years before he comes to the pros. Well, hope so. Hopefully, you know, he's injury free and he keeps dominating this NPB league as much as he can. I think I'm going to challenge it. I'm going to say that he may come to the majors before that time. And the reason why I say this is because a major league team may see how valuable he is, where he, they may force this team to give him up and post him to Major League Baseball. So there's going to probably have to be a lot of money in exchange for him to come to the majors sooner. But if he continues his dominating ways, what she's doing right now, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes to the majors within three years. We'll have a Roki Sasaki clock going. We'll have it counting down until he comes to the major leagues. I like that idea. I like it. <laughs> Umpires have a tendency of not minding their business and getting a little too involved in the game. Speaking of an incident like that, my buddy, not my buddy, but our buddy, Zach Eflin, was forced to take off his wedding ring? What exactly was that all about? Yeah, so crew chief Adrian Johnson in the Pirates-Rays game on Thursday had noticed something on Zach Eflin's hand, so he called a little conference, a mount conference, which, by the way, we just launched. Hopefully, you guys are checking that out on our channel. Great program. Thank you. I had to throw a plug in there. The opportunity was there. I had to take it. Uh, but in between innings, uh, Johnson kind of came up to Eflin was like, hey, you got this metal ring on your finger. You could be scuffling the ball, maybe altering it. You got to take it off. And so it was just odd that he kind of did that during the game rather than like noticing that, you know, the first inning or so of him warming up on the mound and approaching him being like, hey, you can't wear this. I mean, I guess if it was a rubber ring, it would be OK. But I guess because if it was metal or diamond or silver or whatever you know the case may be uh, he had to take it off because you can scuff the ball with it kind of a weird little situation there mike yeah i'm surprised it doesn't uh raise the discussion of possibly 
removing all jewelry during a game. I think maybe it would just be best if they had a jewelry-free policy. Not because, like, I don't think it's fair to tell people what they can wear jewelry-wise, but just so everybody's on the same page, just do a no jewelry rule or something like that. Johnny Cueto would have a lot of issues with that no jewelry policy. I think he'd probably quit Major League Baseball before he had to succumb to that, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I know. that. That's probably a little extreme on my part. Hey, listen, I don't care if you wear the jewelry, but apparently Adrian Johnson does. So, Just another example of an umpire trying to get into the spotlight, Mike. Always happens. Let's talk about baseball expansion. The city of Orlando, are they throwing their hat in on the next expansion mix? Yeah, it looks like they are. Uh, they already have a team name actually already. They're going to be called the Orlando Dreamers. And this whole kind of organization is going to be at the forefront by Pat Williams, who those NBA fans may know was actually the one that incepted the Orlando Magic back in the late 1980s. So looks like he's going to try to put his hat in the ring and try to get a team out in Orlando. Kind of weird that, you know, they're going to consider a team in Orlando, which is about two or so hours from Tampa Bay. I know the Rays are trying to get a new stadium. And if, you know, Major League Baseball is looking to expand and go to Orlando, what fans are going to show up to these games? Because they don't really get a great attendance for the Marlins. And now with the Rays, you know, being really hot, they, they're getting a little more fan increase. But that stadium, Tropicana Field, it's one of the biggest dumps in Major League Baseball. There's no surprise. Never an all-star game there. And there's a reason for that because the executives don't like the stadium there. So kind of a weird uh, situation going on. I don't know if Orlando is going to be the right move here, but it's looking like it's certainly a possibility. I think Dreamers is the perfect name for that because you got to be sleeping to believe that crap. <laughs> I mean, I don't, what is so different from Orlando than I guess St. Petersburg? Is that because Disney's there or something like that? I just, I don't get it. I, there are many other cities that are yearning for baseball teams. I know Montreal would love to get the back into the mix with baseball. Uh, I believe Vancouver uh, is another Canadian city, but also cities like Salt Lake City, uh, Nashville, and Charlotte have also thrown their hats in there. I Hasn't MLB learned from having teams in Florida? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're banking on Disney and Universal Studios people, fans, uh, attendees, whatever you want to call them. Maybe like having an opportunity to go to a ballpark uh, while they're staying on the grounds, but I mean... Those two entities want to keep you on their grounds as much as possible and not venture out too far. I mean, you kind of see that with the Orlando Magic. They're not really a, an organization that has a ton of success or even a strong attendance record. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens here, what two teams do get announced, because Rob Manfred does intend to expand from 30 to 32 teams. They're just trying to narrow it down to two cities. Personally, I would like to see maybe Salt Lake City in the mix. Um, it would be nice to kind of have like a different setting because uh, the views out there are amazing. I think it'd be a cool backdrop to have a stadium out there. And I know Nashville is a super popular town, especially with, you know, our crowd, millennial crowd the last few years. It's really been booming. Orlando, I don't think it's the right move for Major League Baseball. Listen, I would love to travel to Nashville and catch a few baseball games. That sounds like a great trip. But instead, we're going to head home. We're going to talk about the top three matchups we got coming up for this next week. Starting with the Rays and the Orioles. This is the battle for the American League East. 
the two teams you thought would be fighting over this division. These Baltimore Orioles, they were kind of last year's Cinderella finish, and we were kind of writing them off a little bit in our predictions this year, and we were dead wrong about this team. These two teams meeting for the first time this season, uh, coming up Monday through Wednesday, so it'll be great to kind of see them battle it out. Orioles offense is one of the best in the league. Uh, Rays obviously have a great offense as well, so it'll be interesting interesting to see you know who comes out on top. Will the Rays starters you know shut the Orioles offense down, or the Orioles offense have answers and you know compete with the Rays for this division? It's definitely going to start the uh, pennant race run. Start it in May, and then it's going to go all the way to the end of the season. It's going to be a it's going to be a big dogfight for sure. Our next matchup, we got the Dodgers taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers started this season off pretty hot. A surprise for us, we would say. It's going to be a test for the Brewers to see what they're made of and if they could gain some ground in that National League Central. Yeah, it's interesting because they lost six straight as well as the Pirates, so they haven't really moved up in the division race too much. They're still a game and a half back, as we said previously. Luckily, they are at home in Milwaukee, so hopefully you know, they can salvage a couple of games there. They just got to kind of pick up a bit on offense and uh, you know, right the ship, like I said before. So Dodgers, like you said, they're hot. Max Muncy... Probably see a couple homers out coming from him as well. So this series is a pretty big one for both teams, I'd say. And our last game we want you guys to look out for is we got the Braves and the Blue Jays. Two big offenses going at it here. Uh, the Braves have been cruising in the National League East, and uh, they're going up against the Blue Jays, who were a chic pick in the American League. They've been slightly inconsistent, but I believe they'll find their footing. I'm just curious to see, you know, who comes out up front here. Is it going to be the Braves pitching, or is it going to be the Blue Jays offense? Yeah, I noticed uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, was day-to-day. He's got like a little bit of a wrist problem. Doesn't seem like it's going to affect him too much, I don't think, uh, up until this point. We'll have to monitor his status, but hopefully he can play. Don Varsho has been doing excellent the last week or so. He's been having a lot of great offensive contributions for the Blue Jays. They sit seven games back of the Rays in the division, but like we said, you know, this whole show, the AL East is going to be a huge dogfight. And as for the Braves, you know, again, well-oiled machine. They've won seven out of their last 10. They sit six games up in the division. I don't see them slowing down. So it'll be interesting to watch both these teams kind of come out and uh, we'll see who comes out on top. I'm looking forward to this upcoming week of baseball. I know we covered these three matchups, but there's plenty of matchups. Anything can happen over the course of seven days in a baseball season. Uh, Before we depart here, Fazio, anything else you want to say? Thank you all for kind of subscribing the last week or so. We've actually seen a lot better better engagement on both of our channels on social media and on YouTube. I also want to say, too, that our 100-subscriber contest slash giveaway is still uh, you know, live. Uh, we're still waiting for that 100 subscriber. And once we hit that, we're going to take whoever comments on our YouTube page and just randomly message and say, hey, you've won tickets, two tickets to a game this season. Hit us up. So for those out there that made it to the end of this video, thank you. We appreciate you watching this whole video. But I wanted to sneak this in in the end to make sure you guys are paying attention and that, yes, once we hit 100 subscribers, we'll have a giveaway. So Let's get there, and uh, let's give some tickets away. Well said, Fazio. Just want to say it's all you guys out there. Thank you so much for all the support you've been showing us. Check out our Baseball 360 episodes, brand new show, Mound Conference. That's a great show. Fire episodes coming of that. Potential live episodes of Mound Conference coming as well. So stay tuned.